Welcome to the Intuitively You podcast, where we chat all things intuitive eating, body image, finding peace with food, and so much more. I'm your host, Jen Baswick, intuitive eating dietitian and embodiment coach, and I'm your guide along your journey to food freedom so that you can improve your relationship with food and your body to no longer hold you back from living your best, most fulfilling life. We'll be chatting about all the real talk, the tips and tricks, the struggles, and most importantly, how you, yes you, can finally find peace with food and your body. After each episode, I'll be sure to wrap it up with some takeaways for you to implement in your life, so make sure to stick around until the end. Now, let's dive into today's episode. In this episode, we are celebrating 100,000 downloads of the Intuitively You podcast with a new special format for an episode. So this episode is going to be a listener Q&A. You all submitted your questions and things that you're struggling with, and I'm going to try my best to get through as many of them as I can within this episode. I'm just really excited to give you like a little gift of gratitude from me to you and answer your questions and be able to support you and um, answer the Q&As a little bit deeper here on the podcast because I know that I do these sometimes here and there on my Instagram stories and I'm able to, you know, just answer the question. But here we're going to be able to go into more depth together. And I'm really excited to do that. And I do want to say if you end up liking this style of podcast episode, like the Q&A style, please let me know. I love to hear your feedback about what you like, maybe what you don't like if you don't like it. Um, But if you do like this kind of episode, we can totally do some more Q&A style episodes in the future. We could do some like here and there kind of sprinkled throughout. But regardless, I am really excited to dive into the questions that you all submitted today and support you in this way. And just a little sneak preview of what the questions that I have will be speaking to so you know what to expect in this episode. We'll be touching on things like acceptance with weight gain on this journey, trusting your body, knowing if you're actually hungry or not, um, social media and influencers and how confusing they are, if this journey ever gets easier and how to get over the preoccupation with thinking about food, sugar cravings and how that feels like a sugar addiction, how to actually stop eating when you're full and how to avoid stress eating and more. So that's a little sneak preview of just the topics that we'll touch on. This is definitely going to be a jam-packed episode. So if you want to take notes, please go ahead. But I'll be sharing my top tips for all of these questions that I'm able to answer within this episode. And like I said, if you do like this, please let me know because I love to hear your feedback. And without further ado, I'm grateful for you, for you being here, for you being a listener of the podcast. It's actually wild to me to think about this in the fact that there's over 100,000 downloads of the Intuitively You podcast, and we're not even on episode 50 yet. (laughs) So that's wild. It's just so cool to be able to do this, to be able to spread these messages and support you on your food freedom journeys. It's just, yeah, it makes 
past me almost in awe of what I'm doing. Not almost, I am. (laughs) My past self is definitely in awe of being able to be here and have overcome my own struggles with food and actually be supporting others through this journey too. So I'm really grateful for you. Let's dive into the questions. Oh, I also want to share before we dive into the questions, if you had a question that was similar (laughs) to one of these questions, I kind of lumped similar ones together because I got some kind of repeats, if you will. So just listen for the question, what it is, and if that's related to the question you also answered, that is also kind of the answer for your question that you asked. Cool? Cool. So Question number one is from Janelle. Janelle said that she's struggling with accepting the weight gain that has come with the beginning of her journey, still not trusting her body when it comes to food choices in brackets, am I hungry? Question mark. So I want to break this question down into really two things because I see kind of two pieces um, of this puzzle. First thing being the acceptance of weight gain on a journey like this. And second one being building trust with your body. So with the acceptance of weight gain in this journey, this is probably hands down the biggest struggle that folks have when on a food freedom and intuitive eating journey. And it's the one that I spend a lot of time with my clients supporting them through and being able to move through so that they are able to get to a place of having a great relationship with food without this, you know, weight gain struggle holding them back, right? And because what we do know is if you keep going back and forth with this and back and forth with diet culture of like, okay, I'm in with intuitive eating, and food freedom. And I want to do that. I want that for myself, but then weight gain might show up. And then you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Time to go back to dieting. And then you go back to dieting. You enter that diet cycle again. And then you get to the point where you're like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to do intuitive eating food freedom again. And then, you know, you're in this kind of new diet cycle that has you going back and forth and dipping your toes in and, and jumping out of intuitive eating or food freedom, whatever your journey looks like. So, that's something to look out for. It's just something that is like a roadblock or a bump along the journey, but it's not one that's uncommon. It's actually really common. I would say pretty well everyone has this fear and struggle as they are going through this journey. And just knowing that it's it may be part of it, right? Uh, that may be part of this journey of really finding that acceptance of, you know what, what I've been doing with my body for the past however many years hasn't been working for me. And it's led me to this place where my body's at now. But, you know, if I'm actually taking care of my body and having a really supportive, healthy relationship with food, that might change, right? Because the way that you're eating will likely change. And it's not a bad thing, right? I think this is a really key point here is that diet culture and all the beliefs that we've developed from diet culture over the years makes you think that any kind of weight gain is a bad thing. And I'm here to tell you that it's not necessarily a bad thing. That's just our lens of really putting such an emphasis on weight in our society and that smaller equals better and bigger equals worse or bad which is just not true. That's just the lens that we look at things through and we are 
really deep into diet culture and have those beliefs. So of course, if you have that belief and you hold that belief that weight gain equals bad, then if that's going to happen, of course, your brain is going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you're going to start to second guess yourself on the journey because that's where the beliefs, like core beliefs in you are held. doesn't mean that they're necessarily true, right? That's an important piece. But knowing that this is potentially part of it, especially when you're coming from a place of dieting or restriction, and then we are going into making peace with food and healing your relationship with food, then yeah, weight gain may be part of it. And what I always like to say and what typically happens with folks is that when you start an intuitive eating food freedom journey, you usually have what I call healing fluctuations with your weight in the beginning. It may feel a little bit more chaotic, right? Things may go up, may go down, may go kind of funky all over the place because our body is like, wait a minute, this isn't what we're used to, right? We're used to being like in this restriction mode or whatever it is. It totally depends. And this is so unique on the person. So there's like no one answer to what happens with your weight. I do have some episodes on this since it is such a big hot topic. Um, I can link those in the show notes. But really what happens is we have those healing fluctuations wherever your body um, wants to go or land from where you were in your relationship with food. So really, if you were maintaining, say, said whatever body size that you were at, maybe you even wanted to be smaller than that or something like that, but you were maintaining certain body size while dieting or restricting or having food rules or having this negative relationship with food, whatever that looked like. If your relationship with food was not a good one while you were maintaining that body size, that body size likely isn't the body size that your body is thriving at. And I know, I know that that is a hard pill to swallow, but really we want to get to the place where your body is at, and you can call this term whatever you want, but really like your happy weight. And it's still going to be a range. Our weight is still going to change over the course of our lives. And I think that's something that we don't often, you know, feel comfortable accepting either that our weight is going to change because we want it to just be this like picture perfect. I'm going to be good and I'm going to feel good, but only when I'm at this weight and stay at that weight. The truth is things will still likely change in your future with your body. That's just how things happen. That's how the human body works and how our process of going through hormonal changes, different life stages, different things happening in our lives, aging, what, what have you, all of it kind of changes things. So all of this being said, long-winded answer. I wanted to really touch on that one because this is such a prevalent struggle. But all of this being said, how can you reground yourself when you are starting to feel really off about weight gain happening? And what I mean by that is how can you remind yourself that, okay, this weight gain is happening while I'm on this journey, but I do no, and I am committed to healing my relationship with food and I want to be on this journey. And from my own past experience, this weight, you know, change or being at a lower weight was something that never even worked for me anyways. Like maybe I would get there and then my weight would go up again or it, like it was never like this long-term sustainable thing. So going back to dieting isn't even an option because that doesn't work anyways, even though my brain still wants me to go there. 
or whatever this may look like, right? It's unique to your experience, but how can you reground yourself and be like, okay, this is happening. It feels uncomfortable. I don't like it. My brain is like, no, (laughs) the beliefs are that this is a bad thing, but actually I'm healing, right? I'm learning. I'm moving through this journey and I'm going to keep going because this is really important to me. And this could be something where you do get the support of someone like myself who supports folks through these, you know, shaky times in healing your relationship with food, but really regrounding yourself and knowing that you are making choices to support yourself and improve your relationship with food. And it may come along with struggles like these. So that's, you know, I could talk on this point forever, but for the sake of the episode, the second part of this question I do want to touch on before we move to another question. And that's about building trust with your body. Like this question from Janelle was saying, I'm still not trusting my body when it comes to food choices. So this really comes from getting to know your body really well again. So really unlearning and letting go of all the shoulds and the rules and coming back home to your body and its cues. The more we learn and get confident in the cues from our body, the more we'll trust it. So that's really like diving deeper into learning what your hunger cues are and what that feels like, learning what your fullness cues are and what that feels like really getting to know those things really well. And even if, because I know sometimes people are like, yeah, that's simple, easy, eat when I'm hungry, stop when I'm full. It's actually a lot more than just that. So really diving into getting curious about these things, practicing them because we won't feel comfortable with this stuff or confident with this stuff until we practice it. And that comes with being really mindful around these times when we're hungry, more full, assessing it, what food choices we have, how those food choices make us feel. And that brings me to the other point I wanted to make on this uh, part of like, you know, building trust. And that is really reflecting on how things go when you do or don't, right? We can look at this on either side, but when you do listen to your body, how do things go? Did you feel better when you actually honored that hunger instead of pushing it off till the afternoon? Did you have more energy? Did you feel less out of control? How did that go for you in that circumstance? And really reflecting can help your brain to see oh, okay, when I do go with what my body is telling me, I do feel better and then reinforces this idea of building trust with your body. And really what we're doing, we want to trust our body's cues ourselves, but then the more we do that, the more your body will trust you. So it's almost like this relationship that you're having with your body to build trust on both sides. Because when we're in restriction dieting mode, your body does not trust you. It's trying to, you know, pull out all the stops to protect you. And it's really kind of going against what you're trying to do because you're not listening to it. So we're rebuilding the trust on both ends of this, really learning the cues, the signals, messages, all these different things that your body is telling you, honoring them. That's a big piece of it. Like we can hear them, but honoring them is a different story. And then also reflecting on how things go when you do actually listen to those cues or reflecting on how things go when you didn't listen to those cues. And then what did that experience feel like? And really learning from yourself and dancing with your own um, experiences with your body. So that's my answer to that question. I hope it 
supported you, Janelle, and everyone else who were thinking the same thing, especially around that acceptance of weight gain piece. Okay, next question. Laura said, social media and influencers make it very confusing and hard to stay positive. So this is a yes, (laughs) absolutely they do. And if you're out there consuming things on social media in the health and wellness space, it is confusing as heck. And even like these influencers, even themselves within their own content start to contradict themselves. So that doesn't even help, right? Like there's this thing that I often say too, like if you listen to all the diet advice or influencer tips and things out there, you would be left with nothing to eat because they're like, well, you know, eat this, but don't eat that. And then it's like they spin it around and none of it makes sense. And it's just so confusing and so unrealistic that it's not quite helpful. And I'm not saying that every single person on social media out there is spreading some BS info. Some of them can be great, but a lot of the times they're not so great. (laughs) And since I don't know the specific topics that, you know, Laura, you're seeing behind this question on your social media, I'll kind of keep my answer to this more general to just influencers in the health and wellness space and what you see on social media and the health and wellness space. So first little tip for you is to put your diet culture BS goggles on when you're consuming content. And what I mean by that is to really question what you're seeing, Um, especially if it's something that you're like, oh, like that seems intriguing, but also like what? (laughs) I think really being able to filter through the messages that you're getting when it comes to health and wellness stuff online is very, very, very important and something that a lot of folks don't always do. We just take what people are telling us as face value and assume that it's true and correct and something that would help us, which is really not the case, right? Even if something does help someone else, you don't know if that's something that will actually support you. We're all unique. And this is another little extra, oh my gosh, layer into this. A lot of the times, and I've seen it happen actually again and again with influencers that I've even followed in the past, where influencers or public figures on social media are sharing about their diet tips or their what I eat in a days or whatever, like, you know, nutrition related, eating related things. And then they come out saying years later that they had an eating disorder. You don't know right? You do not know what is behind closed doors in these people's lives. And social media paints this pretty picture of like, oh, they're eating like that. And this is their life. They must have it so good. And then we're associating, oh, if I eat like that, then I'll have this great life and look like that too. But what you don't know is what is actually happening in their life and what their actual experiences are. Social media is a lot of sunshine and roses, not showing the behind the scenes. And I am definitely also not saying that every single influencer out there has an eating disorder. That's not what I'm saying. But it is important to remember because we just don't know, right? So some questions you can ask yourself to put your diet culture BS goggles on when you're consuming content. First and foremost, 
is this person an actual credible health professional or not? And if they're not, I would err on the side of caution of listening to what they have to say. Even health professionals sometimes don't share the best advice. I see some doctors out there sharing lots of stuff about nutrition that is just phony. And it's unfortunate and it makes things very confusing for the consumer. I totally understand that. But a really good first line of defense is, are they a credible health professional? So, you know, registered dietitian, someone who works in healthcare, doctor, etc. That would be um, a good place to start. <laughs> I think it's still important to look at that information from a critical lens too. But if they're not you know, a credible health professional or have any qualifications like that, then that is also, you know, an orange flagged throw up of, uh, I don't know (laughs) if we want to listen to what this person has to say. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. That's something to think about. Or is this person just sharing their opinion, right? Is it just someone sharing their opinion, sharing what they do, which could be very biased, by the way, and probably not really rooted in evidence or anything like that. We want to, you know, just question. And what I think is really important is what they're sharing actually aligns to what you want for yourself and your life. And with this, really getting clear on your food freedom slash health and wellness vision for yourself Um, and getting grounded in that. And that can almost be like a filter that you filter this through. Like, does this actually align with what I want for myself? For example, if you're on a food freedom journey and these influencers are telling you to cut out these foods and make more restrictions and food rules, maybe it does not align, right? So really questioning if things are aligned for you with your food freedom vision and a little hint, hint, teaser here. (laughs) I am going to be having a new freebie for you coming up soon, coming your way to help you with this idea of creating and crafting and casting your food freedom vision that you can stay really aligned with. I'm really excited about this one, but it will be coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, Some other questions for your diet culture BS goggles on social media. Is this piece of content like clickbait? Are they just trying to grab your attention with some like shiny object syndrome thing to say so that you watch it? <laughs> like questioning that because that happens a lot, especially on TikTok, right? Um, and then a question I love to even ask myself with anything in my life, really, but also applies here. When you're hearing what this whoever has to say, do you in your body, in your like energetic field, however you want to think of this, feel expansive or constrictive when you hear them say what they have to say. And what I mean by that is like, do you feel kind of like, you know, a tighter feeling maybe in your chest or you're like kind of like closed off, like that kind of feeling? Or do you feel opened up and excited about it, right? That can be a good way to dance with your own intuition of, would this be something that would actually benefit me or not? Um, And if you're like confused between those things, that's okay. That's just a little extra piece that I wanted to throw in there because it can be helpful for me too to decipher if something is right or not for me. Another big important piece to answer this question is to detox your social media. 
(laughs) This is the only detox I back. (laughs) We don't need to be doing detoxes. Our body does a great job at detoxing all on its own with our liver and our kidneys. And (laughs) that process is covered. So a lot of the detoxes, speaking of influencers that they talk about out there, is totally not needed for you, right? So detoxing your social media is the only detox that I will recommend for you. (laughs) And what you want to do here is that if you are following influencers or other people on social media that are triggering you, unfollow them, mute them, etc. And just, you know, clear that space out. Let that go. We don't need that constant reminder of all of these things happening on your social media that is contradicting your journey. And with that also, I know TikTok is funny for this too because it is more of an algorithm. We see more random stuff rather than people we follow. So really what you want to do there is retrain your algorithm. And you can do this by even hitting the like dot, dot, dot. I forget exactly where that is on TikTok, but there is somewhere where you can click and say, you know, I don't like this. Show me less of this type of content. When that kind of content comes up, don't engage with it, right? If it's something they start talking about some diety thing or whatever, just scroll on past, don't like it, don't comment, you know, et cetera. Scroll on past, um, stop watching it watch or actually engage with videos and things of pieces of content that actually do align with that food freedom vision of yours and what you want and what you need for where you're at on your journey, right? So kind of retraining the algorithm or really just in general, taking a break from social media. I think that can be great for all of us or just setting some limits for yourself around social media and consuming less content and connecting more to you and your authentic self outside of being stuck in and absorbed into social media can be really helpful too. So that's my answer to this social media influencers question. Thank you for that, Laura. Question number three, Sarah said, I just wonder if it'll ever get easier and feel like less of a preoccupation. And this is for, you know, along the lines of a food freedom journey and healing your relationship with food. And really what I want to do say here is that, yes, it does get easier the when of when it gets easier is so unique to every individual. So it's hard to say when it will get easier, but it does eventually get easier. And I think it is important to know and be really upfront and clear about an intuitive eating journey or food freedom journey does not feel intuitive at first. It does not. It feels really confusing. It feels like, you know, you're second guessing yourself all the time. It feels like you don't know what you're doing. It feels like you have to really pay attention to what you're doing, which does not feel intuitive. And yeah, it can feel very frustrating and confusing at first. And that is normal. And I think knowing that that's normal will help a lot of folks on their journey because I didn't know that was normal when I started my journey. I thought I was like losing it. I was like, oh, why can't I just get a grip on eating and eat like a normal person and just do this intuitive eating thing with ease? It was so frustrating. And that's honestly why I do what I do now because I was so lost and I don't want you to feel lost and I want to support you along the way. It will still feel confusing though because it is something very different, right? You're going against all of the other nutrition-focused beliefs that you've previously learned. 
you need to unlearn them and then relearn how to eat in a way that doesn't stress you out anymore and is actually supportive for you. So through that process of unlearning and relearning, it does feel like we're jumping over a lot of hurdles and it does feel like a struggle. And that's where, you know, getting support potentially, like if you're on this journey and it is feeling like something that is a constant struggle, especially if you're doing it alone, reaching out for support can be a game changer to, you know, like-minded friends, support group. Maybe it's just following resources that are more structured. So you're not just going into the abyss and you're not sure what you're doing reaching out to a professional like me, like myself, working with um, someone who knows how to support people on this journey or programs like I offer even like Embody Food Freedom or other programs out there, something to support you along the way because trying to do it alone, especially through the confusion and difficulty of figuring it out and feeling like you have to focus on it so much, it can be really helpful to have support. And I think we forget how helpful support and community is in any journey. And this journey especially, it's one that is filled with lots of ups and downs. But I think the most important part of healing your relationship with food is that you don't give up. Never give up. Because that giving up is not worth it. (laughs) And I know it feels really hard, but it is so worth it to continue on your journey and really just align to what you do want for yourself. And maybe that is, like you're saying, preoccupation in this question. Maybe that is being less preoccupied with food, right? And this is another example, like with the preoccupation thing. Usually when we're struggling with food, we're thinking about food a lot of the time and we can feel really preoccupied with food and food choices and what we're going to eat, what we did eat, how we're feeling guilty about what we ate and how we're going to make up for it or what we're going to eat later, right? But then if we dive into intuitive eating or a food freedom journey, we then have to really focus on what we're doing. And it's almost like the preoccupation becomes different because we're learning something new. And this is an example I like to give my clients when we're starting a journey together too. So imagine that intuitive eating and learning intuitive eating is like, and I'm like, we're maybe like, a generational thing with this. This might be uh, getting more dated, but (laughs) it's still, in my eyes, a good example. If you learn or if you go back to when you learned, first learned how to type on a keyboard, right? Okay, stick with me here. You really had to think about what you were doing. Like, where are all the keys, right? where do I put my fingers on the keys and really like looking at that keyboard to figure out where all the letters are when you're first learning it, you have to focus a lot and you have to give it a lot of your attention. But then over time of practicing it, you can, like my example, I can type without looking at the keyboard now because it just becomes like second nature. But at first it was definitely not like second nature. I had no idea where the letters were on the keyboard. Um, So intuitive eating is like that, right? If we're not used to something, it's something new, it's gonna give us, or we're gonna have to put a lot more of our attention on it to learn it and to get comfortable with it so that it does start to feel like second nature in the future. But at first... While we're still learning, while we're practicing, practice is key. We need to practice something to get comfortable with it. It's going to feel a little confusing and like we have to pay attention to it. But 
the more you do that, the more you go and don't give up, it will feel easier. (laughs) So hopefully that helps, Sarah. I am rooting for you, rooting for everyone as they go along their journey. Okay, next question is from Becca. Becca said, I have major cravings for sugar all the time. It almost feels like a sugar addiction. I just don't know how to handle it. First of all, yes, that is so valid that it may feel like a sugar addiction, but I do stand in my professional opinion that quote unquote sugar addiction is not really the same thing as addictions to other substances. So we're thinking alcohol, drugs, stuff like that. We do innately need food to live. It's a survival thing, right? Our body will not survive without getting food. So food is a necessary resource for our survival. And from that, what can happen is that if we are not giving our body that necessary resource for our survival, our body is going to seek it out because it wants to survive, right? And I'll explain this a little bit more, but I just want to validate that that does it does feel very real, like it does feel like an addiction because we cannot leave it alone and that experience is definitely valid. But I am hesitant of putting that label on it because I think there are other things that are actually going on to drive that feeling of it feeling like an addiction, but not necessarily an addiction. And it's also not something that we can cut out of our lives, right? We cannot abstain from food or sugar. It's just not possible. We will not survive if we do that. So why does this feel so intense? to be craving sugar like this. There are a couple explanations and I think this is more of like a not clear cut dry answer, but more of like a puzzle, right? We want to put the puzzle pieces together and experiment and see all the different nuances that may be happening for you as an individual. But generally speaking, a few things may be happening here. So first one, that you're just not eating enough in general, right? And I think about all of the diet plans and apps that recommend, say, said 1,200 calories for adult grown women, that is not enough. That is not enough. Those energy requirements are really more the needs of a toddler. So that if that tells you anything, know that, you know, and I don't love to speak numbers, but that's just a good example that I know a lot of folks know and have heard and have been recommended If we're not eating enough for our body's energy requirements, for what our body needs to support us and live and be able to do the things that we do in our day, your body will seek the quickest energy source that it can get, right? Your body's like, whoa, 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 I don't have enough energy and I need to find some energy stat. How can I find this energy quickly? And then your brain has this association and knows, okay, the sugary foods is like the quickest hit of energy that I could get. Let's reorient ourselves towards that. And then there you have it. You were led towards having those sugary foods because your body knows that that is the quickest energy source that it can get if you're not eating enough. So one thing, first and foremost, a really foundational piece to this journey is eating enough. 
And I know that question is like, what is enough? That's a whole other topic, but you want to make sure that you're eating enough for your body's needs. And there's ways that you can do that intuitively without tracking or things like that too. Okay. So that's one. Another one that's kind of along the same lines, but a little more specific. You're not eating enough carbs, carbohydrates. You're not eating enough carbohydrates, specifically that food group. And I know that carbohydrates are often demonized and we try to restrict them or limit them, um, whatever that may look like. But what happens is that carbohydrates are actually your body, your brain, a lot of your organs' primary fuel source to keep you alive, keep things functioning and happening. We do need carbs. They are a good thing and they're not bad. They're not something to be feared. But if we are restricting carbs and we're not eating enough carbs, your body, again, is seeking that source of fuel, the carbs specifically. And what is sugar? Sugar is a form of carbohydrates. It is the most refined, if you will, version of carbohydrates. But your body, again, knows if I have these sugary foods, I will get carbohydrates, glucose that helps support all these body processes that need it. So let's look for that. Let's have that. Your body's like, I don't have enough carbs. Let's get some more. Let's get them from the sugary foods. So, and again, obviously these explanations are not the scientific physiological explanations, but I'm just speaking to these in more simple terms for you. Um, But that's really kind of what's happening there. So you're not eating enough or you're not eating enough carbs specifically. Your body may reorient you and have you feel really magnetized towards sugary foods because it knows that those foods will give you what it's missing, right? And then a couple of other things that could also be happening um, is maybe it's not just carbs specifically kind of as a group, but it's more so sweets. Like you're not allowing yourself to have any types of sweets or sugary foods, if we want to call them that, right? The fun foods. And this is really speaking to the point of physical deprivation. And if you've taken my free quiz, um, how to stop binge eating or what your biggest binge block is or why you're binge eating, that free quiz physical deprivation is one of the results. And if that is yours, that is something to look at is this, you know, physical deprivation side of things of not allowing yourself to have those foods. Because if we're not allowing ourselves to have the foods, we will feel out more out of control around them. And then there's another piece too of where it's maybe not you physically restricting the sweets. Maybe you're still allowing yourself to have sweets, but you're mentally telling yourself that the sweets are off limits. So this is really more speaking to mental restriction. Again, that's another result of the free quiz. If you haven't taken the free quiz, I will drop the link in the show notes so you can go take it now and see what your result is. But that is more um, all of the rules and shoulds and guilt in our minds towards food being off limits or something that we shouldn't be having. And that in itself can drive us to wanting it more. Our minds and our bodies are (laughs) really funny things, but we learning these things, really just learning more about why things are happening for us can help us to really be able to move forward, know what's going on and try some things to tweak it and see if that helps, right? So those are my things that I would suggest, generally speaking, if you're feeling like you have intense sugar cravings, are you eating enough? Are you eating enough carbs? Are you restricting yourself from physically having sweets? 
or are you mentally telling yourself that the sweets are off limits, right? Those would be the things that I would look for. And then from there, maybe tweaking those pieces, those elements, right? And experimenting. That's what this journey is all about. It's all about experimenting. My clients will be like, yes, we know. (laughs) But the best way you learn is from doing things and learning your body, right? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to be your guide to help you reorient towards what works for you, what works for your body, okay? So, I hope that was a good one. I know the topic of sugar addiction is one that I could probably do a whole episode on. If that's something that you all would like to see, please let me know. Uh, But that is that. Those are my top thoughts, top tips for that one. Okay, next question. Carolyn said, I know I'm full in brackets here. I don't need help with the cues but I have a hard time stopping anyways. So it's actually interesting. This question reminds me of the mini course that I did a while back. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Um, I called it full and free. It was really like this bite-sized program to help you stop eating when you're comfortably full. And that's a total, you know, side tangent. But if that sounds interesting to you, and if you would be interested in me bringing that mini course back, please let me know. It's really like this question is what it dives into completely, being able to stop eating when you're full. And if this lovely community is interested in that, I would be happy to bring it back. But yeah, please let me know if that is the case. I do, though, want to dive into this question, obviously, here. It is really great that you have the awareness of your fullness cues to start with. And I would say if anyone else relates to this, but you aren't clear on your fullness cues, that would be the place to start. Because if you don't have that clarity, it can be harder to decipher what else might be going on and tackle these other things without that like foundational piece of fullness. So that's something to learn first is your fullness cues. But it sounds like Carolyn asking this question knows her fullness cues, which is wonderful. But a couple of other things that could be going on um, that's preventing you from stopping when you're comfortably full. And I have like a little list, if you will. I'm going to rapid fire these and you can just see like what you relate with. If that's you, then that's maybe something to look at. But these are the things that I most commonly see with my clients, people I work with that are pieces holding them back from stopping eating when they're comfortably full. First one being the clean plate club. (laughs) So you may have heard this before. Really, the clean plate club just means that you have an association somehow, some way of you stop eating when your plate or whatever you're eating off of is empty. That's your cue to stop eating. And that's what your you know mind does and tells you to stop eating. But what happens there is that if that's the cue to stop eating, just when your plate, or your plate is cleared, then that means that we're not actually listening to your body. You're listening to an a cue that's external to you and your body's needs. And this can happen like the typical example of clean plate club is like this happened to me, Um, potentially your caregivers when you were growing up, when you were a child, wanted you or pushed you to finish the food on your plate at mealtimes. And you can't like this was the narrative in my household, no ill intentions (laughs) towards my parents for that, but was you can't get up from the table until you're done eating what's on your plate. Right. So, of course, that is 
um, a piece that's going to maybe enter you into the clean plate club. And that carries on with us in our like subconscious minds while we're adults. And it's not helpful because it does disconnect us from our fullness cues, especially when we aren't clear on our fullness cues. But even if you are, you do know your fullness cues, but you have this strong association with clearing your plate is when you stop eating. That's something that you want to break that habit and try and go against it to really change that habit into actually listening to your body instead of just having that cue of when your plate's done, you're done. Right? So that would be um, the first one. Another one that kind of goes along with this is a fear of wasting food. And this one's a little bit more subtle, a little more nuanced. Um, but again, this one for me came from messaging when I was a child of like, you know, other people are out there starving. You should be grateful for the food on your plate and you should have it, right? Because of that. And yes, well, that is true. And there is a lot of you know, people who are struggling with food insecurity. Absolutely. But you in your moment of eating a meal and pushing yourself to eat past a comfortable level of fullness just to not waste food is not helping those people who are struggling with food insecurity anyways, right? That small instance is not going to change food insecurity. I'm just, I mean, that may be a bold statement, but if you are someone who really truly cares about that initiative, which I think is beautiful, find some other ways to support folks with food insecurity and knowing that in your moments of eating your personal, like you already cooked the food and it's there in front of you, then okay, how can I know that if I push myself past my comfortable level of fullness, I'm not not wasting the food. Like the food is wasted if I forced myself into eating it because I'm now uncomfortable. See what I mean? And with that, if you just don't, if you don't want to waste it, of course, you can save it for leftovers. You can freeze the rest of that meal. You can repurpose it into something else, right? You can do a lot of things with food that you don't just finish in one sitting. But knowing that and a perspective with this is like you're quote unquote, wasting it if you're forcing yourself into an uncomfortable level of fullness, if that's a you know belief that you struggle with. Another thing here um, that if you know your fullness cues, but you're not able to stop that I think is really important is, are you eating in a mindful way? Whatever mindful eating means to you, because it could be different in different circumstances for different people. But if you are eating really distracted at all of your meals and you're not actually paying attention or being present with your food, then it's pretty hard to just actually honor the cues and stop, right? I think about where a good example of this is maybe you have the TV on and you're also scrolling on your phone while you're eating dinner. Your attention is so dispersed into other things. How could you possibly expect yourself to notice the subtle nuances of fullness cues when (laughs) you have all these other things going on? And I'm not saying that I want you to sit in silence at all of your meals. I think that's silly and, and not helpful, but how can you have or not realistic, I should say, Um, how can you have moments of mindfulness in your meal so that you are able to tune into your body and stop and honor it um, instead of just being like, well, I finished the episode, I finished my plate, and now it's all gone, and now I feel uncomfortably full. So mindful eating is another piece. Um, And 
another element to this is also what I call mental satiety. So you could be satiated physically from a meal, but maybe you're mentally not satiated. And what I mean by that is maybe the food is something that made you physically feel full, but your mind is still not satisfied. So that's something to, and that's a really nuanced topic, I will say, but that's something to think about as well. Like how could I satisfy both my body and my mind with whatever meal I'm having? Maybe that's dessert or whatever that looks like, right? So thinking about that piece, another element here is that if you know your fullness cues and you're still overeating, do you still have food rules or restrictions or guilt present about the food that you're eating? Because that in itself can drive you into overeating Um, So really assessing your food rules and shoulds about food. Another thing could be emotional eating, right? If we find some sense of soothing in food for whatever emotions may be present, we may continue to eat because it gives some kind of element of feeling good right? So if there are, there's like, you know, we're dissatisfied in our life, but we're finding satisfaction in food or we're, you know, not feeling comfortable about what's going on around us in our life, but we're finding comfort in the food, then that may cause you to eat past your comfortable level of fullness because the food is doing something else for you other than just this, you know, nourishment for your body. So that's something to think about. And then the last point I want to share here is obviously, as you can tell, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle with this one, but really you might just need some more time and practice. It could be as easy as that. We don't get good at something until we practice it over time. So if you're just newer to it, potentially, right? I don't know the unique situations. But if you're like, yep, I got it with my fullness cues, um, but you haven't practiced it for that long, maybe you just need some more practice. Maybe you just need some more time to build that confidence with your fullness and being able to stop when you're comfortably full. So I hope that helps with that question. I know fullness is, again, a really tricky topic. That's why I created Full and Free, that mini course. So if anyone wants that, let me know. It could make a comeback. (laughs) We we could make it happen. Um, and now, like just looking at the time as I'm recording this, I know we're uh, about 50 minutes in already. So I'm just going to answer one more question. Um, and then we can always do more Q&A episodes in the future, like I said, if you like this format, if you like this style. And you want to get more of your questions answered in a deeper, more intimate way by me on the podcast. So last question. Lisa said, this one's like, I love it. Short, sweet (laughs) little question. How can I avoid stress eating? Very common, right? Stress eating is a very common thing. One of the probably most common emotional eating pieces. So for everything, as I'm sure you can already tell through listening to this episode, I love getting to the root cause behind why things are happening. The actual why behind it because when we really address that or address the root cause, that's where we really make lasting change. So with that being said, let's explore some of the potential root causes of stress eating or the feeling of having stress eating. So of course, I think this is maybe a given, but the first root cause of this is stress. Of course, stress eating comes from stress. 
So with that, if that's the root cause behind this, how can you start to think about tackling your personal stress management? And this is something that is, I think, very important for everybody in today's society. There are so many stressors left, right, and center, so many things going on in our our lives and our days with work, with taking care of things, just like being an adult, all this stuff. There's so many pieces and elements of stress in our lives in this fast-paced society that we live in. So having some kind of tab on what your stress management plan is like is really important. And this is something that I do walk my clients through is creating a total game plan for when emotions like stress come up and what to do when that is the case and being really clear on that for themselves and what works for them specifically because we're all unique so that they no longer just feel the need to reach for food as the only option right? It's like this habit also that's like, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, we reach for food. That's like this neural pathway that your brain has created. We want to show your brain a different way that, okay, maybe the food feels good for a moment, but then I'm still stressed and didn't really fix things. How can I think about what will actually help me a little bit more long-term or help me alleviate that stress? in the moment, but also on any given day to create a more solid baseline for yourself. And that is a concept called the window of tolerance. And expanding your window of tolerance means that you're able to manage stress a little bit better or stressors a little bit better when they come up because we are maintaining this kind of level of self-care. And again, this is a deeper conversation, but just really taking care of things proactively will help you to not have such a reactive reaction when the bigger stressors come up in your life. So thinking about how can you tackle stress management? What might that look like for you? What works for you? What helps you when you're feeling stressed? And making a game plan for yourself so that you know and you have a clear idea of what you can do instead of just reaching for food. And I also want to say like having food when you're stressed is not a bad thing. I don't, I really think that emotional eating gets such a bad rap, but sometimes it's okay, right? What we want to really do is know that emotional eating is okay, but if it makes you feel so off and awful, of course, it's something we want to address and we want to make you feel better about the whole situation in general. So that. A couple other potential root causes, of course, stress is going to be the main one for stress eating, but maybe another one is that you have some kinds of rules or shoulds about the foods that you reach for when you're stressed. Maybe those are the typical fun foods they often are. And maybe you have some rules or shoulds about those foods that is making you feel more out of control around those foods anyways. So really, I think making peace with food is another important piece or element to emotional eating and stress eating. So that's one. And then the last piece um, that I want to share with you in my answer to this question is that maybe your body just truly needs more energy. Maybe it actually needs a snack in that moment. Maybe that's what you need. So allowing yourself to just get curious about all of these things of like, what am I actually feeling right now? Is it stress that's driving this? Or am I actually hungry, like physically hungry? And do I actually need some nourishment? Do I actually need a snack? How can I make or have a snack that honors my 
physical needs and my mental desires, right? And finding a sweet spot for that. It will really help you to navigate stress eating, getting curious about what's going on and then going forward from there. So hopefully that helps with a stress eating question. I know it's a really common, common thing. And yeah, I hope you all enjoyed this Q&A episode. We were able to get through six questions, which I think is wonderful. I could talk about all of these like all day, um, but I hope this was a great spot and a great celebration. And, you know, again, like I said before, sharing of gratitude for you being here as a listener to the podcast and celebrating that over 100,000 downloads of the Intuitively You podcast. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you and I love this community so much. And if you feel ever so called to, I would love for you to rate or review the podcast just scroll on down to whatever platform you're on, hit the number of stars you want to give it and maybe write a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to get the message out to more people and spread the word about this whole food freedom thing because I think it's something that a lot of us need. And I'm just really grateful to be here helping you and supporting you on your journey. And yeah, if you loved this Q&A format, please let me know. I would be more than happy to incorporate this more in the future. It was very fun for me. I loved hearing your questions. I loved answering them. So yeah, let's do this more often if we like it. But thank you again for being here. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks so much for listening to the Intuitively You podcast. You can find the show notes from today's episode along with all the takeaways at theintuitivenutritionist.com slash podcast. Let's connect on Instagram. You can find me at the.intuitive.nutritionist. Be sure to share and tag me when you're listening along. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored for you to go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button and leave a review. I'm so happy you're here and learning how to better your relationship with food, your body, and yourself. Until next time, keep on living intuitively you.